Welcome back to another episode of the Pit Stop Podcast presented by the Ordinary Podcasting Network. I'm Braden. I am here with Jordan and Tyler. Guys, welcome back. The F1 summer break has come and it has gone. And now the real races begin. But before we get going, let's uh, talk about the summer break a little bit here. Now seeing Alonso and Ricardo out the seat, um, some confusion about Oscar Piastri, um, not to be confused by Oscar Pistorius, a very similar name, not the same guy. We have uh, a regular listener, however, who's a massive Danny Rick fan, obviously. Uh, shout out to Maddie Henry. But guys, she was sad this week to think of an F1 without the Honey Badger. Jordan, what do you make of the unseated? Well, it's interesting because so Tyler and I took us into the break. We had a long conversation about where we thought things would go, right? And then literally the next day, news started breaking because we knew Vettel was retiring. We paid tribute to him that night. And then the next day, Alonzo announced he was changing from Alpine to um, uh, Aston Martin. And the wheels came off right there. It was silly season in full swing. And then it kind of got quiet for a little while because it was clear that once Oscar Piastri's whole tweet storm had broken there was a lot of like litigation that was going to be dealt with there's a lot of issues that was going on mclaren kind of stayed quiet for a little while but then yes it came out just leading into this week mclaren has parted ways or will be parting ways with ricardo at the end of the season this will be his fourth off season where he's not going to drive with the previous team the big difference here is he does not currently have a seat now there are open opportunities for him we'll see if somebody like a williams or I don't know, like an Alpha Tori wants to take on a veteran driver. It's possible. We don't know. It's also very possible. We have seen the beginning of the end of Ricardo's career. He may also just want to be like, you know what? Screw this. And I've got other passions. He's always been one of those drivers for me, at least watching him on like the Netflix series and even just on social media. Seems like a guy who's pretty content that like, if this kind of comes to an end, he's going to have other things to do. He seems like he's having a good time. He's living in California, you know, seems to be happy about it. Might go produce some music, whatever it is, but definitely a lot of drama, definitely a lot of things that we, Tyler and I definitely didn't get very many right in our predictions, but I think we were right (laughs) in the sense that like, we knew kind of where the the fires would be and they kind of have stayed there. It's interesting because I actually expected more to have come out by this point in terms of some of the seats that are kind of question marks than they have. And I think that there's kind of a log jam here around this whole Ricardo thing. I don't know what Tyler thinks, but Uh, the most surprising thing about this silly season, this like the summer break is that all the seats aren't taken yet. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that by this first race, we would have maybe one seat left that we don't know what's going to happen, but the fact that there's, I think, three that are still available, maybe four, because uh, Schumacher doesn't have his contract done yet either. I think that's the most surprising thing about it. I'm not surprised. I don't know if, if Maddie is her name, uh, if she listens to this podcast, but I've been, we've been she saying does. this shit. About, we've been she saying does. this shit. Does she listen to us? We've been saying this shit about Ricardo for weeks now. And I hear um, about it every, every Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about it, but he's not going to be in the field next year unless he's in a Williams seat. Um, and the only reason Williams would have him, I think at this point is because he'll sell merch. He, I don't know if his heart is in the sport. I don't know if it's been there for a while. I think that he very much just because he's losing. No, I think it's, I think you see in throughout the drive to survive, even that first season was so heavy on Ricardo. It got him such a huge fan base that when he made the choice to leave, to go Renault, I don't know if he kept that fire that Red Bull kind of instills within their drivers, that passion to win, win, win. I think it became more about his popularity and his ego in terms of having fun with the sport than winning, 
in the sport. And I think that was his ultimate downfall. I want to, I want to say one more thing about this. I don't know, you know, we want to get to the race and we'll get there in a second, but like the one other thing about this, that's interesting to me is two, it's two parts. It's Ricardo and Alonso for me. It's not easy to change teams and as easy to change teams in Formula One as I think people think. You know, we think about free agency in a lot of other sports and it's like, okay, you're going from one organization and sure they do things a certain way. You're going to another organization, maybe they do things slightly differently, but you know, it's still football or it's still hockey or it's still whatever other sport. But in Formula One, we're we're dealing with things where literally car to car, we are talking completely different vehicles, completely different engineering, completely different like buttons on the steering wheel down to how every single part of that car functions is different. Now, these are world class. They're the best drivers in the absolute world. That's absolutely true. But I think we're we're assuming that it's an easier transition team to team than it really is. I think it takes guys a. a couple years and I like years to really be a hundred percent at one with their car. You look at who the champions are. They're guys who have driven for their teams for a very long time. They're guys who are so at one. And in, in truth, the engineering of that car is built for them. Ricardo struggled going into Renault because it was a completely different system. And then immediately jumps to McLaren, completely different system. I'm not surprised he struggled to be completely honest. And I think I'm, I'm very curious to see how it will go for, you know, the wily old veteran and Alonzo to jump into another new car. Cause okay. He's been around a long time, but in the last five or six years, look, he was out for an entire season two years ago. And then since mm-hmm. then he's kind of been bumping around. He was in Renault, then he was in a McLaren. Now he's been in the, in, in, in the Alpine. Now he's going like, he's, he's kind of clinging on too to the tail ends of a career. And I don't know if he's going to have as much success. And I'm also, I mean, we talked about this on our show too, Tyler, but like, why would you go to Al? Why would you why? leave Alpine? Alpine Thank is, you for saying that again. Totally going in the right direction, and I he know finished that, fifth yesterday in totally. Alpine. And, and I know that the seventh. strolls. I know sorry, that the, was seventh. I know that the stroll investment in Aston Martin is probably very attractive. There is money on the table. They're building a brand new factory, but at the same time, that's a huge step back for Alonso. Why would and at that point in his career? Why what if they told him, "Hey, matter? we're." we've got these young guys in our bullpen. We're ready to go with them. And you're 40. What now? Like he was, he's been good this year, but he, who he Alpine isn't... you mean? Uh, Alonso. No, no. But who would have told him that? Oh yeah. I'm thinking Alpine. Yeah. No. They've got... So I think that he completely shocked Alpine. I think yeah. Alpine had a two-year plan where they expected <laughs> him to be with them till the end of his contract here and next year. And I think mm-hmm. that the expectation, and this sounds like from what we're hearing from Oscar's camp too, there was an expectation that Alonzo, that was Alonzo's seat until Alonzo didn't want it. And that Oscar was just going to have to sit back and wait. And I think that's part of what also, um, preempted the sort of response Oscars team had when they were like, no, you're not upgrading us. We were already on the way out. We don't want to drive for you anymore because you've treated us this way. I think, I I mean, from just a fan's perspective, that's what my interpretation of the whole thing has been. But I think Alpine absolutely uh, caught, caught uh, Alpine uh, flat-footed. And interestingly, again, Alpine's current uh, um, race director or um, uh, team principal, uh, Ottmeyer, was Aston Martin's uh, was their race um, team principal for like three or four years, even back to the Renault days. So I think that there's a lot of bad blood there now too. And obviously that's going to be interesting. We got our first taste of it this weekend and I know you want to take us into the race, but it's interesting to see when you got lame ducks sitting at teams, it's always weird because you know that the team's going to stop sharing data and information with them, especially the proprietary stuff of what they're working towards for next year. Cause they don't want to give away trade secrets. And the question is like, how much are they going to let these guys race? It was interesting because in qualifying, and I know I'm jumping the shark here, but in qualifying, like 
Norris was taking the penalty. We knew he was going to end at the back of the pack. He gave Ricardo a toe. Like that was good teamwork yeah. by McLaren. It surprised me, honestly, because I thought there was a lot more bad blood there. But we'll, I, I, I mean, we'll see how it, how it evolves. But it's always awkward coming out of silly season when you've got drivers who are on the way out, but not there yet. Yeah, I love, I love that it's called silly season. I think that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get right into the race, though. The Belgium Grand Prix, um, what a beautiful track. I love that this track has, like, it, it feels like it's a bit of a roller coaster ride. We got some elevation at certain points. It's a, a long track, um, you know, beautiful scenery. Great to hear that it was uh, renewed for the 2023 season, uh, the track at Spa. <laughs> Uh, guys, before the race got started, though, Mercedes seemed to have some sort of pace problem, which then ended up being uh, the demise of Lewis Hamilton as he went sky high uh, in, in lap one. Bottas also out of the, the race in the, in the first lap. Uh, Red Bull absolutely dominating. We're going to talk about Ferrari, and I'm going to leave some room here for you, Tyler, to, to really give us some gold on Pierre Gasly's uh, day in, in spa with Jordan. Let's just, I want to get right to it. Mercedes, this was just a, a, a frustrating beyond belief for Lewis Hamilton, but Russell, man, he is like right there. Yeah. I mean, it was frustrating for Mercedes all weekend because they, they came out of that break, I think really um, riding high from how they had been finishing the last couple of races prior to the break. You know, we've seen some great pace coming out of that um, Mercedes and they seemed like they had figured some things out. And I think they came into spa really expecting this to be a great track for them um, because it's similar in many ways to where they had found success, but they just couldn't get it together through practices. And then they just had a really sluggish qualifying. Um, there, I mean, there were reports that like both Russell and Lewis didn't leave the garage until like two or three in the morning on Saturday night after that, working with the engineers, trying to figure out what they could do to get the most out of the race car. And what was frustrating obviously is literally five corners in Lewis makes a mistake that we have not seen Lewis yeah. make very often. Right. And obviously you get the very cheeky, very sort of heat of the moment comment from Alonzo where he's like, Oh, this guy doesn't know how to drive unless he's in the lead. But it's the truth is it's like Lewis did make a mistake and we don't see that often. He didn't see him. He admitted it after once he'd seen the replay, he was like, yeah, he was in my blind spot and I never saw him. And I just turned right into him. Um, but it cost him cost him big because when you look at the results, Russell was still able to pull from that. I mean, um, with what, like 30 on the, like the 35th or 36th lap, it looked like he was going to catch signs. Like he had really pushed and pushed and pushed. And then he just had pushed the tires too far, unfortunately, but he was really, he was, he had found something out of that car that we didn't expect to have there. And it would have been nice, obviously for Hamilton to have been there, but they weren't the story of the weekend. Obviously the story is max. Cause I mean, yeah, but before we get on to, to someone else, sure, I don't know sure. why Mercedes didn't just kind of walk down to the Williams because they had their car figured out and it's the same engine. Yeah. It's and the same engine. Well, Albon did with it. Package. No, for sure. But like the, he Albon for much of that race was the fastest in that first uh, sector. And yeah, they were even talking about true. how nobody very, wants very to be. Fast. Yeah. Nobody wanted to be anywhere near him yeah. because of how fast he was through that first sector. And he had a car that was, in a straight line, the fastest car. So let's like, okay, well, congratulations here's to Williams thing. and Mercedes let's for not, that. Let's, let's also not sleep on the fact that George Russell was on the podium last year. Now they only ran one lap, but he qualified way up there because the Williams of the last two years, engineering wise has loved spa. And I don't know oh, why, yeah, that's true. That's, but yeah, Williams that's has loved spa. 
Yeah, they, and it was a great race for well, Albon. Well, I love a spot, man. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that elevation off that that one uh, that going into that one turn. So cool to see how high that goes and and how fast they still take it on that uh, on that uphill. But uh, I think I I it was sad to see Hamilton kind of take out himself in that. And after you saw the replay, there was no, you couldn't defend him at all. Like even the most oh. diehard Hamilton fans can defend him. So it was unfortunate for, for him, obviously on that, but and then watching it, him like dismally walk back with no, yeah, I no felt like that was such on, like the side of a mountain. Or something. <laughs> like, I feel like someone said, Hey, just walk down this path. We'll get a sad shot. He's lost he's going yeah. down there. Cause <laughs> well, why would they not I pick mean, him up and drive that, him back? Right. They milked that the camera sure. walking behind Slowly. holding the same size. And then all of a sudden he's, stops and lets him slowly shrink into the distance yeah. it was brutal. like come on get out of can here we, right off the we, bat though the first right, like if we're talking about this first lap i was shocked by how aggressive perez was to block alonzo within the first 10 meters of that race he jetted all the way from the other side he lost just a lot to, of positions on that just about yeah he lost like four or five positions trying to block alonzo after the second position it was very strange I don't know why or what the beef was there or if he thought that Alonso just had a faster car, but it was coming right out of the lights out. He basically 90 degree turn trying to trying to block Alonso. Out of that I, yeah, I thought that I, was very strange. I, I, I missed I missed this opportunity when we were just talking about qualifying a second ago, but also like, have we had a race yet this full of penalties for engine changes uh, no. and things like what a mess Six. you literally run qualifying. You finish qualifying, they give you the grid order, and you're like, none of this is real. I have no idea what yeah. I actually just watched because I don't know where any of these guys qualify. And then I kept refreshing the, the F1 page like into probably two or three hours post-race, and it had yet to have been posted officially because they were still sorting it out. At one point, it was announced Bottas was given 42 grid point penalties like position penalties. There are 20 cars, it's like two races. and yet he didn't finish dead last. How are you yeah, not well, the last car? Because you're he was from- he was he qualified dead last, and as soon as he qualified dead last, they were like, "Oh, it's the first time he hasn't been out of Q one in however many years, how many races." And they're like, "Yeah, but he'll start the race 14th. I know it was so confusing. <laughs> it was <laughs> absolutely bizarre. I mean, what at that is point, going on? Like, uh, yeah. Anyway, I digress. But that was a very weird one for me. Like, you know, Tyler's complained about how stupid it is when they give you like the local time for the restart, and you're trying to do the math yeah. from North America, being like, I don't know what time sixteen forty two is in Spa. Yeah. But this was equally perplexing. It's like they got to have a better system for being able to like just from the simple like production of it, like, okay, well, here's the results from something that meant absolutely nothing. Good luck. We'll see you yeah. tomorrow. Congratulations. Also, it was hilarious in qualifying while we're on it. Ferrari fucked up in qualifying. Well, Tyler, you know what? I was just going to ask you, what do you think of Ferrari's incompetence? Tyler is our official. I, so, he is like our official Ferrari flogger. Is that That's incompetence? Is. It's the a Ferrari. Thing that, the thing that like blows my mind, like it sucks for me. Because as a team, I'm kind of a Ferrari guy, but I don't want to be anymore. They're just <laughs> so incompetent. I don't want to, I have too many teams that are garbage teams. I can't, I can't pick up another one. And just that, like they put on brand new tires on Leclerc for oh, qualifying God. to do one lap to help pull signs around. No, for, okay, for but that made quarter. great sense. No, that made great sense, Tyler. What they Not were with new tires. Doing. No, no, no. What Not they were actually doing, they were actually practicing for what they were going to do in the race yeah. where they put the, the fast tires at the do. very end. Oh, wasn't that oh. brilliant? I mean, if you're, if you're Alonso and Alpine <laughs> and you see him going in there and you're going, what the hell 
are they doing? And sure, yeah. he comes out, he comes out into the into that position, but you're like, what was the point of that? And what then was the it ends up costing him because he was speeding in the pit lane. What on and earth? And I don't, I just, I don't. And they're trying. I feel like because all during silly season, it was the whole talk about Ferrari was should they get rid of the race directors and have oh, different Nito, team come yeah. in? Which yes. They should, yeah, and they didn't, and they said, no, we don't need to. We don't have any problems. And then throughout the entire race with Leclerc, they're asking him what he wants to do. Do you want to do this or do you want to stay How out? Do you this feel is the about question. This, this yeah, is the question. Yeah. I'm going to say something, and then I'm at the end of it, I'm just going to say question because they no longer want to be at fault for any of Nobody trusts. Nobody trusts the system. It and literally. But how is so Leclerc supposed to know? How is Leclerc supposed to know the times that other cars are putting on different tires? I know. It's, that is the job of the pit boss. You know what's even crazier? So here's another sign of the like complete lack of communication. Carlos signs in the cool down room. They watch, they're watching highlights, right? Like they always do. And they turn mm-hmm. the audio on so you can hear them. He goes, wait, did, did Lewis retire? Wait, you <laughs> wow. don't even know even that Lewis old. Hamilton wasn't in the race? Like nobody over the radio was Meanwhile, like, he's hey, thinking so about this over the last few are, laps. What what was that safety car about? Who, oh who I was in the goodness. lead during the safety car, but what 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 happened behind me? Right, unbelievable, Ugh. unbelievable. What is going I, on? Is, Why do we have to talk about Ferrari's incompetence every week now? Every because race, it's, it's endemic. Every no, single know, race, they do something even stupider. Oh, it's unbelievable. But why? Why can't it be fixed? <laughs> like at some point, someone has to get fired for this. You can't. This is not how you run. This is not how you run a business. Well, and all they're doing, all they're doing is continuing to polish up the the trophy for for max because max will be our world champion oh, I've said it's it over. now from it's over years. he went from it's 14th over. to fourth so, and I, so think, there was a I really... think i think red bulls won the constructors too i don't think anyone could touch yeah that's probably they're just too consistent. Who's gonna touch it? there was a really cute moment in the what's that after when they're in the little green room talking to each other yeah what's yeah the cool, the cool down cool down so so i don't know if you guys saw this but carlos signs they're watching the highlight with max carlos just looks over to max and he goes goes uh for you it was fun (laughs) (laughs) sure i I had a 40 second lead on my teammate well max 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 so red bull won too i mean and here's the thing Uh, we'll get to it in a second obviously we're going to talk about the dutch grand prix this is basically red bull's home race too because the actual red bull brand is based in belgium so this is a big race for them we're going into a triple header Max comes out of these three races. If he wins all three of them, he's going to be crowned champion in Singapore because mathematically he only needs one more race after that. And he's won them all. There's no way anyone's catching him. The question is how quickly is he going to put this thing to bed? That's really the question I have now is, is how fast can he do this in? And then what happens, right? We have to assume he wins next week. It's his home race. I mean, he should at this point that no one can touch him. The speed that red bull car has is, I mean, honestly, if, if I was any other team, I'd be I'd be sending spies into every garage that yeah. that car is sitting in to be like, what the hell have they done? Because Adrian Newey, who is their car designer, I mean, you're either gonna have to assassinate that guy or you're never beating them again because he is he is without question the greatest engineer this modern generation of Formula One team has seen in a long time because he has made that car so much faster than his competitors and they have figured out this new regulation like to a T. They Im- enacted over the break they enacted rules the FIA did to prevent cars from being too physically um, exerting on their drivers, right? So they couldn't allow a certain amount of of, uh, porpoising and bouncing Mm -hmm. and all that based on all of these other things. The only team that that should really slow down would be the Red Bulls because everyone else is struggling. It would would make it better for them. 
nope, no problem this weekend. They didn't have an issue with any of those new rules coming in. They found a new way to find new speed. You watch like the, the, the Ferrari still bouncing on the streets. The Mercedes is still oh, yeah. bouncing a little bit. They're not as bad as they were. The Red Bull yeah. is smooth as butter. It's unbelievable. Yeah. No, Ferrari looks like it's still. And look, popcorn. this is coming from a guy who like vehemently dislikes Red Bull. I hate like, Red Bull. Dislikes them, and but I'm enough of a fan to be like, no, we're watching greatness right now. We were watching. Oh, so this good. team has figured it out, and this driver has figured it out. And look, the Max from last year to this year is so much different because he's just he's just he knows oh. what he's got. Yeah, yeah he's all laughing he has to do. The all he has to do is keep the car was... on the road. And what, like two races ago, he spun it around and still won the bloody race. <laughs> he yeah, that's he was like he started 14th because he took a penalty and got up to first. Oh, yeah, everybody rather got easily and rather yeah. quickly. It was, it was like it just was, it was almost a boring race watching it happen once it gets going, once it yeah. got going. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right, let's get going right into the Dutch Grand Prix next weekend. Well, let's talk. We didn't get to talk about Gasly. Oh, yeah, you did promise. Okay. Me we could right. talk. I said yeah, I could talk about Gasly. We didn't get to talk about Gasly. You got to talk Gasly about Gasly. had a good race. What a, he had a great race. Yes. Um, finally, and he needed it too because he's not been good over the last month. So um, he's he could have had an eighth place grid. Uh, but no, from, to finish, he was an aggressive early two stopper this race. I think he yeah. was, I think he was one of the first, he was first person to pit, I think in this, in this race, if I'm not wrong. No, Leclerc um, pitted first after that first lap, but he, he pitted under the safety car for some tire issue. That's why he right. had so many, but he was the first real pit stop in the real, yeah, the pit, first real pit. pit yeah. And man, like it just, just started going past people again. It was fun to watch him. It was fun to like, even talk about him again. And I mean, I'm, what a finish that he was able to get into the points at ninth and um, Albon behind you know, him. He was like, part of my favorite, to be honest with you, my favorite lap of the entire race had nothing to do with the leader. It had nothing to do with that shenanigans in the first lap. It was the, the fight between him, Vettel and Ocon. And yeah, to be fair, he like was the loser of that one overtake because like Ocon ended up double overtake. Yeah, but it. like the three of them in that little, like, this is my, this is what I've enjoyed the most of these new cars is that you can, you can literally go three wide. Like these cars can get that close to each other. They can be competitive with each other. And then you get all these sort of like DRS fights to be like, all right, I'll, I'll give you the lead on me because then I'm going to jump you piggyback right onto your DRS and jump right back. That's fun. And I, yeah. I enjoyed that. And I think he did a really good job of that. What I'm excited for is when a team figures out that they should get their two drivers to basically like slingshot each other. We're using yeah. DRS. Like why has no one figured that out? That'll happen. Well, they have to get them together most of the time. You don't usually sure. they have different. The Red Bulls uh, could have done it today when they were first like chasing that. down they, Carlos Sainz. They, really they don't need, they're the one team that no, doesn't need right. to. They've got a rocket. <laughs> but it was They've a great, the it was, easy button. It was awesome yeah. to see Gasly use the undercut perfectly. And I hope that this is a beginning of a great finish to 2022 for him yep. because he right. needs it he did say after the race though that he doesn't believe this car will win again he said he's like it's, it could happen it's a one percent chance is what he said but i don't know you like, just gotta I, go I, get points go get points yeah, yeah i would go like to see gasly in the alpine next year is what I, would that ain't gonna happen. I know it's not gonna happen but i would love to i would love to maybe someone's listening tell them maddie tell them <laughs> <laughs> all right enough with uh pierre and we'll be right back this episode of the Pit Stop Podcast is brought to us by Busy Bee Vegan Skincare. Busy Bee is an all-natural skincare line dedicated to healthy, vegan, plant-based skincare and overall wellness. They offer a selection of handcrafted body scrubs, butters, and washes that not only make your skin glow, but smell amazing. Their unique all-natural scents include gingerbread, ruby grapefruit, 
caramel cake, and morning latte. So why not treat your skin to something fresh and all natural? Head over to shopbusybevegan.com today. And as a special bonus, Busy Bee is offering listeners of this podcast a 15% discount on your first order with the code ORDINARYPODCASTS. Okay, the next race, the fun Dutch Grand Prix, another Max hometown race for some reason. All of these races seem to have orange flares <laughs> in the stands. September, uh, September 4th, cm.com circuit Zandvoort. Nice. Yeah. What a name. I think that's how it's Circus Zandvoort. Zandvoort. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is going to be another fun race. It, we've got races all the time now. So Three in a row. Uh, Three in a row. Are we just going to see another one-two finish for Red Bull? Or are we going to yep. continue to see Ferrari's incompetence? Is anything going to change here at the Dutch Grand Prix? In terms of Red Bull domination? No. I mean, something has to happen where it... Over the next two, it's this, and then it's Italy. Is that after? Yeah, they go. Yeah, to okay. Monza. So you have to assume that Monza is going to have a winner that is not Red one Bull. of the favorites because that's always happening at Monza recently, mm-hmm. which is why Monza is my favorite race. Um, but I, in terms of this, like, no, the first is first step, and he's at home. He's gonna want to do well. I don't see him losing this race. Uh, it's a fun race. It's a fast race. It's it's really quick. It's crazy um like it just it swoops and flows it's kind this is you use the word roller coaster this one's very roller coaster like um it's just it's gonna be fast it's gonna be quick but it's gonna be a red bull it's gonna be a red bull finish when was the last time they raced here was they last year last year and max yeah, won, yeah. They were last yeah. Year. <laughs> that was that was the first time though right no i think Ooh. they raced here before but but um i don't know i don't have it in front of me as in like is this the first race Every year, because no, like I, I think they, I don't think they had a Dutch Grand Prix for a while, and then last yeah, year was the okay. last year or two years ago. It was during COVID, I think, that they came back to the to the Netherlands for a race. If I'm not wrong, yeah, yeah, I, I believe you. Um, <laughs> look, obviously, Max is in perfect form. The only thing that's going to stop Max from winning one of these is an incident, and that's yeah. either going to be one of two things: yeah. he's going to get tangled up somewhere, and he's going to get new, and like somebody's going to hit him, or number two. He's going to have a uh, like one of these weird red Red Bull power failures. Now we haven't seen that in a, quite a while. It seems like Red Bull's figured that out, but they're kind of due for something to go wrong because they've had a really good long run here of success. Tyler's probably right; it probably won't happen till Monza because that is yeah. the Temple of Speed is known for uh, surprising finishes for sure. But I think that um, I don't know. I mean, I really think that this is Max's season to lose every race. I think he has to go into as being the obvious favorite favorite. Uh, I don't I think, mean, I don't think he, I think it's just, let's just give it to him now. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, even we if he has a bad a month race ago. next week, he, like he could, he could finish seventh. <laughs> he could finish seventh every race and probably I want to confirm Tyler. You're right. It wasn't held. Uh, the last time it was held prior to last season was 1985. So it is brand new oh to the yeah, so it's new to the circuit. circuit. Yeah. And Max is the only modern winner to have won at it because he won there okay. last year. Nicky Lauder is actually the most Nikki recent prior to him. And then it's like Alan Prost. And we're docking multiple generations ago in the 1980s. So, uh, yeah. So this huh. is here. This race is also here because of Max Verstappen. Let's yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Know, it's a pretty the, cool the, track, the, too. Dutch like, Looking yep. at it, it's, it's a great track, as Tyler said. It's very roller coaster esque. I think you know, 
undulating is a good word for it like yeah, yeah, yeah. corners it's not unlike spa in many ways that like you have a lot of um corners you take at full throttle and that makes for good overtaking opportunities i think it also has some very i i i, I mean this is speaking somewhat out of school because i can't remember specifically but if my memory serves me right, and let's be honest, I've, I know more about these circuits from playing the video game than I do from actually watching like historical races. Yeah, That's, that this video circuit, game is hard. Uh, we don't need to hard. get into it now, but <laughs> I hard. don't it's know so how you play that game and not just this end up circuit, in the gravel all the time. <laughs> this yeah. circuit uh, is fast, and the two DRS zones are very close together. So okay. you're going to get situations where guys come out of both one DRS zone, having made an overtake and immediately be challenged from behind. And that is going to be fun because when you have some battles with fast cars that are close to each other, speed wise, there, there could be some interesting, like what we saw. And I, 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 you know, acknowledged here where you've got like three guys in a little DRS fight um, overtaking each other. And, and, and these new cars uh, have definitely delivered. They've struggled in a lot of ways, but they've definitely delivered on, on allowing them to drive closer together. And, and that makes for, for more competitive racing for throughout, sure. the, that, throughout the field. That first DRS zone is a tough one though, because it's, it's a straight, which most of them are, but it goes right into like the braking zone on that into the, yeah. the next turn, turn 11 is, a, is basically a 90 degree turn. Yeah. So it's, it's full throttle and then slam on the brakes, turn right. And it's almost from 12, 13, 14 up to the finish line. It's full throttle. You're yeah. And I don't 14, believe you'll have 14 to one is the other DRS. So it's a straightaway. Yeah. So if you can get through those last couple corners close to the guy in front of you, you're going to definitely have an overtake opportunity at one. And, you know, I think Max is the leader here, but I would not be surprised if um, a couple of teams figure out some things in qualifying and we do get another kind of mixed up grid and moreover, I think we're going to continue to see now a couple drivers who it's not that they're fighting for their jobs, but there's a lot of drivers who are, have now, you know, been here for a little while and are figuring these cars out. That's the other thing. Like this is a brand new regulation. There's a brand new systems on these cars. Some of the drivers, especially the ones who had good cars have figured it out quickly, but as the other teams are making changes, like these cars change, the drivers have to adapt to it. And as they kind of settle into what their final upgrades of the year are going to be before they move their attention to next season, which we know is coming very soon for most of the teams, um, they're going to settle into what these cars can do and, and then they get to drive them. And that's where you really get to see the cream rise because the best drivers will now make the most of what they have. Alpine's done that all year but I think there's opportunities for some other guys to do it again, just stepping backwards, like not a great weekend for McLaren, pretty good weekend for Aston Martin. They drove well that we could see more of from that team who struggled all year, but maybe they're turning the corner on what their development is. You know, I think Alfa Romeo had a tough um, race because of Bottas being bumped out, but they actually qualified pretty well. They had some good, decent pace and we could see some more from them, you know, Bottas was dead. Well, True, because again, he knew he was already getting penalties. I think that was one of the teams right. that shut it down pretty quick. Yeah. Unlike the other guys who who wanted as much, you know. Well, the the thing the, the thing about these other other teams now is you don't need to watch Red Bull as closely anymore for the rest of the these like eight races because it's over. Like they won, congratulations, yeah. it's theirs. You don't need to watch. I mean, I guess Ferrari and Mercedes will be the battle for second place because who knows what's going to happen with Ferrari? They're all over the place. Um, but it's like out Al, the Alpine. Alpine finishing fourth is kind of what the lead is now, like what, what we're watching with the rest of the teams. But I also just want to say something real quickly, because you brought up um, Aston Martin and Martin Brundle during this race had the, I, I laughed out loud because I think this stuff all the time when announcers say it, and he said, uh, this is the first time we have 
had two Canadians start in the top 11 ever in a Formula One race. And then he paused for like two seconds, two seconds. And he goes, and also that's the most useless stat I'm going to give you today. Because, yeah, oh who cares? Like, top cares, 11, but... get out of who cares? And I laughed when I said it because I was like, yeah, because so many stats get thrown around like that now. It's like, get out of here. 11. Get that stupid <laughs> stat out of here. I, I, I gave Martin Reynolds a hard time earlier in the year. He's grown on me because he doesn't seem to give a fuck anymore. Well, that's why, but he's, I'm he so says, happy he's said he that. He's the dumbest thing. Great stat. But he yeah. also just points out, like, he also made a comment at some point during this race yeah. that was basically like, I'm not quite sure why we're watching these drivers when there's something going on up the front of the pack. Yeah, be much I'm glad more interesting he says that. to watch. I'm glad he says that because it's frustrating <laughs> you know, when just you know watching the same monitors we are, right? Yeah. It's frustrating it's like... when you see the the times on the side and you have a guy that's like 0. 0.003 behind another guy, and you're like, yeah. why are we watching? I think it was when Russell was chasing happen. down signs, and it looked like Russell was going to catch him, and then they went back to some unimportant like two guys who were never even they weren't even close to each other but it was like yeah. oh look at these two guys back here well he someone's got to be responsible for calling these guys out like it's not us now on this podcast it's got to be martin brundle at the top yeah exactly i do love listening to the commentary in f1 though especially when they're in mid-conversation and then they just and then you hear the radio forever yeah just as soon as that radio just, everybody's not <laughs> yeah that's a good that one too actually. radio goes up everybody stops talking and they they tell people to and shut up like, too oh yeah hang on we got a radio call like, box, oh, box. So yeah. you know you hear leclerc just screaming at the top of well, his lungs that was another martin brundle today though he was the one who called out ferrari because he's like why do they tell why are they saying all this on the radio all they're doing is helping their opponents yeah, yeah. because their opponents are like oh they don't know they have no idea what's going on they have no idea what's they're going on they no what tires we have on, on. yeah <laughs> Oh man, I like don't want to get into a rant this late at night about Ferrari. I will won't be able to sleep hey, because but you know one, we'll save it because I'll, we'll I'll give you be one more for, next week. I'll give you one more Ferrari nugget here though. There was one moment we've we've given their team a lot of trouble. We've given their strategist a lot of trouble. Carlos Sainz asked at one point, "Are you sure we should go with a three stop strategy? I think we might need one more stop." He'd only done two stops. Oh really? He thought he'd done three. Goodness. <laughs> <clears throat> okay guys Sorry. well that's that's we'll leave that there uh we'll leave that there the dutch grand prix is uh coming at us this weekend practice on the second uh morning of third with qualifying as well going on the third and the race sunday the fourth um looking forward to it guys great to be back great to be back talking f1 we will pick it up again next week Pitstop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include... Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, 
and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.